All right, friends, I am so excited to have Meg Apperson with us today and talking about her new book, Sky Full of Stars. And so Meg is going to introduce herself, and then I have some questions that I want to talk to her about based on the themes of her book that I really think will be a huge encouragement to you guys today. And so Meg, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Uh, my name is Meg Apperson and I'm married to my husband Cody and we have four children. Um, it, this week is actually birthday week. So I have, <laughs> I will have at the end of the week, a 12 year old, a six year old, a five year old and a two year old, which is all very exciting. Yeah. And uh, I have a mix of like traditionally abled and a little more medically fragile children. Our, our third child, Avery, was born with some pretty devastating birth defects that translated into, you know, lifelong disability. And uh, I, I have um, my oldest child, my son, uh, he also unexpectedly had a a heart issue that wasn't caught until after my daughter was born. So lots Lots of fun, lots of adventure here. Um, and so so that's us. I wrote the book mostly about my journey with my daughter, Avery, who's our, our third child born with syndromic craniosynostosis. And she has a trach and a G-tube, and she had a ventilator for a few years, and she has a, a shunt. So so lots to, lots to keep an eye on with her. And, and so the book really is about the journey of of finding out about Avery and then that journey with her and how, how having Avery kind of triggered some old things in my past that I needed to, to deal with. So, so that is sky full of stars and that's us. We, we homeschool. Um, I've been homeschooling for a few years and, and that, that is it. That's, <laughs> <enough>. <laughs> that's still a lot. That's a lot to be, juggling and doing and and all of that so four kiddos and a wide range of ages and yeah. boys and girls right the oldest is a boy two boys and two girls is that what it two is boys and two girls yep yeah that's, that's, <laughs> that's so fun well your story in the book is really it's it's a memoir right you're talking about about your family and you're talking about how god has worked in your life through the situation that you guys have been in and the, and the places that he's taking you. And so it's just a really beautiful story of how your family and the, all the diagnosis and all the struggles and all the hard things can point you to God and point others yeah. to God. And so I'm excited to talk about um, your spiritual journey in this and how there's hard times and struggles, but that that God um, is still with you and guiding you and just pouring out his grace on you and your family. Definitely. Yeah. Okay. I have a few questions that I'd love to go through with you today. The first one is um, how have you seen God glorified through your family? Yeah. So I was blogging um, before Avery was born. So I just had my oldest two, um, a son and a daughter and and I was writing just just nonsense, just frivolity, you know, recipes, whatever. And I I was not really writing for an audience, um, just just for fun. And then Avery was born, and so I used the blog to update family. It was just a really efficient way to send out these really complicated updates about her health. You know, when we were in the hospital, she was born at kind of a a community hospital, and then transferred to a big 
uh, children's hospital in the area because her care was very, very complicated. Avery is a very <laughs> unique individual. So, um, you know, I, people were, I was away in the children's hospital with her and our family was back at home about an hour and a half away. Oh, wow. And a lot of people wanted to know how she was doing. And so I was just writing on the blog and, you know, at first I wasn't sure how much I was going to share because it's so, there's so much crisis and it's so personal. And there was this thing of like, do I shield her in a way? Because she has very severe, like, you know, aesthetic differences, or do I just say what the Lord is doing these miraculous things about her? And so obviously (laughs) I picked the one about sharing, but I was just sharing for our family and friends. And over, over the first few months, the blog just exploded, you know, like hundreds of thousands of people were reading and reaching out. And, and so that was the first thing just in, in sharing the miracles he was doing in our, in our situation and how, you know, this, this kind of devastating thing that just blew our, our lives up that we weren't anticipating. We knew a little bit, you know, in, when she was in utero, but when she was born, it was nothing like the doctors had ever prepared us for, or even knew themselves. So, um, you know, just sharing how, how it was this absolute crisis, crazy suffering, and yet God was working out all these miracles. And if I would just pay attention to what he was doing, there was so much that he was up to, you know, and, and so just sharing that over time and people would reach out about something that was completely different. You know, we don't have to share the same details to have that universal truth of like suffering is so horrible. And yet God uses it for the good of those who love him. And not that we should seek out suffering, you know, we don't want to do that, but when he brings it to us, there is always, he's always at work. There's always something more, you know, and, and really in that suffering, all we're called to do is be faithful and obedient, you know, and just keep our eyes open for the things that he's, he's working on the things that he's doing. And then, and, and that's where, you know, the blog came from. That's where the book came from was just sharing, you know, this is how he's been faithful. And people would say, this is how he's been faithful to me, or I had never thought of it like that. Or, you know, just, just that for the first, you know, several years, it's still happening now after the book came out with people reaching out to say how it impacted them. So I think, you know, sharing the story and, and, you know, I don't want to use the word inspiring, but but helping people see that telling their stories can be really healing to them and to other people. You know, I think that is, is the biggest way that we saw it, at least initially. Yeah, no, that's great. You know, the verse that says we comfort others with the comfort we ourselves have received and you're really living that out. And like you said, that doesn't mean we have to have identical circumstances, yeah. but we can point to God who is the one right. who brings us comfort um, and can really turn mourning into dancing and, and, <laughs> show us what what there's there's a verse in James that talks about how every good gift and perfect gift comes from above and that was the verse that really helped me change my view of okay well autism is a hard thing but it it can be a good and perfect gift because it produces this in our lives and so I love your story lives that out the idea of, of children being knit together in their mother's womb, you know, that there's, that there's perfect. And not only does the Bible also say that, you know, children are a gift. And so, you know, piggybacking on what you said, every good and perfect gift comes from God. It was like, he's not surprised by these diagnoses, you know, he's not 
he has a plan for the children just as they were made, you know, and that's so hard, you know, at least at first to kind of accept that this is, this has a good purpose. Sometimes it feels like there's so much suffering and they're so limited in a lot of ways, but, but when, when I think of it at least and like he knit Avery together this way on purpose for the good purpose that he has for her, yeah. you know, I really, it just changes a lot. It does. It's really, and, and I think part of our story is similar in that we, um, we're expecting things to be easier or, you know, when you've been a Christian for a while and you're kind of a good girl, you think, okay, well, I'm going to have a, a, everything's going to go great. My family's going to be easy and great. And I'm a pastor's wife. And so I was like always envisioning we'll sit on the front row at the, at, you know, the front pew and I'll have my kids all laid out and we will look perfect and act perfect and everything will appear perfect. <laughs> and so God has to, there's a lot that happens when, when things aren't perfect and you realize right. oh, God is still in this as hard as it feels. Yeah. The surrender of those, of those dreams and expectations, you know, of like ducks in a row, little children in, in matching outfits yeah. know, down the row. And that just goes out the window really, really quickly. And you go, okay. Yeah. Okay. Your fault, not mine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Plan whatever letter we're on now of the plans that God has. So, yeah. So you and I take a lot of comfort from what the Bible teaches and what we uh, learn from God. And so is there a Bible verse or a Bible passage that you turn to that brings you comfort when the days feel hard? Yeah. So in September, we did another surgery with my daughter, Avery, and it was, it was the riskiest thing we've done so far. It involved like cutting off parts of her brain, you know, her cerebellar tonsils. And there was a lot of, a lot of crowding there. So we were risking, you know, not only her life, but all of her abilities that are controlled by the brainstem, which is, you know, a lot of it. Yeah. So it was, it was something we were going into and the surgeon called me after the appointment where we realized that we really, we had to do this, that there was no option for her, but we had to do it. And so he called me and said, you know, I hope you know me well enough to know that I would, I would never suggest this if I didn't think it was the only way, if it was our only choice. So, you know, when, when your neurosurgeon who, who does the craziest surgeries on children calls you and says that, you know, it's, it was very, it was very sobering and, and I knew what was at risk. And so, um, I was just reading my Bible and the passage of Psalms 112 really stood out to me. You know, it's, it's about the promises for the righteous man about how they have no fear of bad news. They are trusting in God resolute, you know, in the end they will triumph. So it's just a really, a really, um, encouraging passage when you know you're going into something where it's like, this could be the news I could be receiving from the results of the surgery could be the most devastating thing I've heard in my life. Yeah. And yet as somebody who's following God, I know that whatever the news is bad or good is still good news in the economy of God. It's still exactly what you have planned for her, you know, in the timeline of her life. None of, you know, you're not surprised by any of this. Um, I think I wrote down a couple of the other parts of it. They have no fear of bad news. They will never be shaken. Their hearts are steadfast. Wow. So that was something that I just, I just read that passage through for like the weeks before we had her surgery to say, you know, Lord, this is your promise. And this is, 
where I'm going to camp, yeah. <laughs> you know, for, for the next month and, and for much longer. But uh, the surgery went really well and she, she's doing, she's doing better than we even could have anticipated from the surgery. So it all worked out, but that was my, <laughs> my passage. Yeah. And I, I mean, sitting in a waiting room and waiting for news and, and those kind of things, you have to have a verse like that, that brings you comfort. And then yeah, you sharing that will bring the next person comfort as they're waiting in a waiting room. And they're like, oh, I remember Meg. She had a verse. What was the verse? And then she'll open up her Bible. And so it's just amazing what God does when we share our stories, especially when those stories point to him and his care and his love and his grace on us. And so yeah. that's really cool. I, one of the themes that we do at our house and that I talk about a lot on here is remembering and telling. And so when we face something scary, we remember what God has done in the past and then we tell. And so that's really important for the other kiddos in your family, the, the, uh, the typical siblings, which I am one and I have raising one. And, and I think of the importance of that, of you sharing that with them, even as they grow up to say, we're going to face even more scary things in Avery's future, but look what God did here and look what he did here and look what he did here. And he's going to keep us under his wing and under his protection and he will help us in the future. Yeah. Yeah. It's really exciting to kind of build that memory bank, you know, experiences with God where you, you look back and go, okay, this is where you were faithful when everything seemed like it was falling apart. And I think that really is what the blog ended up being you know, for me and for a lot of people, and I could send them back there, you know, and and what I hope the book is for people to, to start to see their own memories, you know, take the book because they're not going to relate to all of the details, but say, Oh, this is, this is where the Lord has been faithful to me. And, you know, just what you said, I think that's, that's so important. Yeah. All right, Meg, you talked about being a homeschool mom and juggling four kids. And one of the things we talk about on the podcast is juggling the needs of our spouses and the typical kids in our family as we devote so much time and attention to the kid who has exceptional needs or higher needs. Or So do you have some encouragement for those of us who may feel like, like somebody's getting the short end of the stick at the end of every day. Yeah. I, I feel like any special needs family has that, that fear. You know, I think that's that constant, that constant balancing act that, you know, some days you feel like you're doing it well. And then other days you feel like, especially seasons, you know, if we have something going on where Avery's recovering from surgery, I just hit these walls where it's like, Oh my gosh, Lord, you gave these children to our family, you know, you put them all in this order that you gave, you know, so my son, Max, like Max needed Avery to become who he needed to be, you know? And so I tried to keep that in mind about how Avery's story is a part of all of my children's stories. So I have to really not only trust God with Avery's future, but with theirs as well. And then for me, it's really about like finding time to be with each child individually. You know, Avery has me sometimes for weeks just to herself in the hospital. You know, we just did this last hospitalization. I think we were only there for five days, but she had me for every single second, slept in the bed with her, you know, she just (laughs) didn't have to share me with anybody. And she loves that. And I can see really where she, in her personality, in her confidence is really, when she gets that much one-on-one time, it really, it really helps her. You know, she feels so safe. 
And she'll say that. And so with the other kids, it's trying to be creative with the amount of time that I can spend with them. So my son is 12, my oldest is 12. And so we will get up at six and go for a walk outside and he'll start school afterwards. But we just spend that time just together walking or sometimes running if he wants to. And so it's just about finding time with each of them where we're away from other people so that I can like keep a pulse on how they're doing so that they can tell me how things are going. For my daughter, my second child, she's six. We do like a nighttime routine where I go in and lie down with her as she's going to sleep and we talk about stuff and, and, you know, finding where, where it means the most to them or where I find that they're the most open or prepared to, to talk. And so like with my son, we, we want to be doing something active, you know, for my daughter, she's just happy to share everything. And so, and so kind of being intentional and, and almost treating that as like a game plan. Like what do you need in this season with your age and, you know, with your personality and then what do you need? And then, and then the baby is, is almost two and we're still nursing. So he gets plenty (laughs) of one-on-one time. So, so that's really kind of how I balance it. When we do school, um, my son is, can mostly do his work independently. You know, he's in sixth grade and we do have to have some time together one-on-one in the afternoons. But then the girls, I do some of their work together. Avery's in kindergarten. So I have a kindergartner and a first grader. And so some of the work we do together and then I split them off you know, and Avery will go, usually we do that during nap time. So the baby is out of the way. And then the girls each get, you know, about 45 minutes with me where we just, we do our lessons. Then if they still have time, we'll read a book together. So those are, those are the ways that I try to balance it. It's not perfect. And sometimes there are seasons where that all just goes by the wayside. And I have to trust that, that, you know, God still has a plan and, you know, can use my very humble offerings of motherhood, you know, where it's like, I'm going to fail at, at some of this. I know I am, you know, I think it's, it's almost the design that our children come away with, with some holes, some parenting holes, because those are the places that the Lord ministers to them uniquely. And so realizing that, you know, the Holy Spirit is at work here. I'm not the only one worried and caring for my children and God loves them more than I ever could. So that's, that helps when I feel like the balance is off kilter and I'm trying to get everything back under control. No, I agree a hundred percent. I say if I were a perfect mom, they would never look to a perfect savior. And Mm, so any of my failures point them to somebody who will never fail them. And so As a perfectionist, (laughs) it's a good reminder to myself to say, no, you don't have to fill all the holes. Like you said, you don't have to be everything to your kids. You can drop the ball occasionally and, and God will intercede and come in and, and do his work in their lives. And, you know, it's such an encouragement to just know you can be intentional. You can have a plan and all those things are good things. My, guest last month was Jolene Philo, and she wrote a book about the love languages for special needs families. And so we talked about that quite a bit. Like, like you're talking about, you know what your kids need. Your oldest son needs time outside and active time, and your daughter needs quieter bedtime, time to chat. And so knowing our kids is a huge part of being able to meet their needs and to help them feel as much love as possible with the limited time that we have. Yeah. Yeah. And I know that that's, that's harder. It, it becomes obvious as children get older. You know, I think that if everybody were really, really little, that would feel 
that would feel a little untenable, you know, in knowing how to reach each heart individually. Um, but I guess the encouragement for families who are dealing with really little kids is that that, that will become more obvious, you know, like the younger they are, maybe four and under, maybe three and under, it would just be about um, time and physical touch, you know, just holding them, you know, to literally calm their nervous systems, you know, when they're overwhelmed. But it, it becomes more obvious. It becomes easier to kind of pinpoint what they need as they get older and as they can tell you, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I love being a student of my kids and just watching and figuring out and, and especially as they grow from stage to stage and figuring out what they need in this new stage. And yeah, it's a, it's an honor that God gives us these kids that we get to mold and shape and, and then see how he molds and shapes them apart from how we're molding and shaping them. Right. And sometimes in ways that we wouldn't have chosen from the outset. Yeah. But it's still good. That is the point of the book. It's all still good. Yeah. Amazing. I know. And, and, and I'd really, I don't know where we would be without that hope. I mean, I just, my heart breaks when I think of, families who go through what you guys go through, who go through what we do, and they do it without the hope that we have in Christ. I just, I don't know how they get through the day or, or an hour without yeah. knowing that there is a higher purpose to their yeah. suffering and to what's going on in their families. Oh yeah. I think that just breaks my heart. The idea of the hopelessness that, that people must feel to believe that this is just you know, this child is just flailing out in the universe as something that, that happened that is attached to no greater good. That just, that just breaks my heart. Yeah. And I want to tell everybody. I know. <laughs> you know. I know. And that's why your blog and your book and your social media are all so important. I put on my Instagram that I was interviewing you and one of my like in real life friends who doesn't have kids with disabilities. She's like, Oh, I love Meg. I love following that family. And I was like, that's really cool because, you know, she's not in our special needs world. Like she's, and I'm like, man, I love that, that your light, the light that your family is shining is so bright that it's reaching these people who, you know, they don't have a bunch in common with you, but they see what you guys are living out and how you're doing it with hope and joy. And they're drawn to that. And so it was just really cool to, for her to like take the time to let me know, oh, I love Meg and I'm, I can't wait to listen. And so I was like, well, how cool is that? That's so cool. That it is cool. really cool. So as we wrap up, can you share where the listeners can find you? They'll want to follow you on Instagram um, and everywhere else that you are. So Instagram is probably is probably your best bet. Uh, my handle is Meg underscore Apperson, and that's where I really share like our day to day. You know what we're doing, how you know what what curriculums we're using for homeschool. You know the way I kind of balance it out with, with each child, and and so that's that's the best place. Uh, my blog is also updated a couple times a week. That's fourfinelives.com, and I try to avoid Facebook if I can help it. So. <laughs> especially right now yeah (laughs) I am not there I mean I am but only when I have to be yeah I get it yeah that's why like I think Instagram right now feels the safest it feels like the safest place to kind of hang out because we're not getting everything we're just just pictures I just want to see a picture 
and, and read a cute story and then move on with my day. So totally agree. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for being with us. I hope that, um, that your book just continues to reach more and more people with the hope that, that you guys have in Christ and how that can just change lives and, and point others to the hope that we have. And so I'm just excited to see it reach more and more people and that, um, that it really points not to you and your family and, and the accomplishments that you guys have, but to what Christ is doing in your lives. And so we can definitely pray for that to expand. <laughs>